I think that you have to have the desire firstly to become one and you have to have the desire to be adding that skill into your toolbox because it's really hard to fit in the learning that you'll need to do if you don't have the passion and the need to actually learn it. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name's Charlie. And my name is Femke. Welcome to episode 133. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk a bit about becoming a hybrid. And this episode topic came about when I was thinking about what we could talk about and something new. And Charlie, you kind of, in your role at Sever, are this kind of hybrid where you do design and you do a bit of development as well. And to me, that's really interesting. I know that we've done episodes on learning to code. And I thought maybe it would be more interesting and helpful for people listening to go more in detail about your role at Sever and your responsibilities and how you kind of, you know, became this hybrid where you have both design and development skills. So I'm really curious about that because I think there's a lot of designers listening who are interested in, you know, getting more web development skills and how they can sort of welcome that into their skill set, which is something you've done and you've done successfully by the looks of it. So lots of questions about that. I think it'll be really interesting. But how are you? First of all, I know that temperatures are swelting in London, same in Amsterdam. Are you surviving? I'm surviving barely. Honestly, it's just so hard to focus when it's hot. Like I don't know how people who live in constantly hot countries do it. I mean, maybe they have air conditioning and that's how they do it. But yeah, I've I've been struggling to find focus when I'm when I'm too hot, especially in the mornings the sun just streams into my little you know, living room that I work from. Yeah. It it's been tough, not gonna lie, but I mean, first world problems at the end of the day, just trying to yeah, get enough sleep and also keep projects moving forward before we move apartments that's like a big life change coming up soon oh yeah the new place they're moving to has what they call climate control so it's not quite air conditioning but it will at least have some sort of cooling abilities so it will try and make your life yes easier <laughs> i'm really looking forward to that and there's like a swimming pool in the complex so when it's too hot i can just go and like take a dip which will be super nice so yeah life is busy with you know apartment hunting and all the paperwork that comes with renting a place and then thinking about packing and then ah, also going to the States in a few weeks time again. So yeah, things are busy and hot. That is my summary. <laughs> How about you? Mine are similar. I'm also very hot. Uh, it's going to be 35 degrees here on Friday, which I think is like maybe 90 Fahrenheit or something like that. I think it's more than 90. Is it? I don't know. It's somewhere up there for sure. So yes, very hot. I took the liberty of going to a outdoor pool after work last week on one of the really hot days. It was so refreshing. I just like put on my swimsuit, left the office and dived into a cold outdoor pool and it was the best feeling ever. I'm just imagining you literally walking out of your office in a swimsuit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> thinking, wow, Pam, you are very confident at work. <laughs> I put clothes over top to be there clear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be a sight to see on my bike, like in my... In a swimsuit? Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, yeah, so also very hot. I'm also going to the US actually pretty soon. Planning to be there in mid-August for work, a research trip in San Francisco. And I'm also planning a vacation in September. Yay! Whereabouts are you going to go on your vacation? 
So we are starting in Portland. We're going to XOXO Fest, which we're really excited about. You both got tickets? Yes. That's so exciting. Yeah, super exciting. So we're going to be there for half a week or so. A lot of our friends from Amsterdam actually are also going. So it's kind of like a group holiday, little <laughs> road field trip together. Yeah. Uh, so they'll be super fun. And then from there, we're going to fly across the, I don't know, how do you say it? Across the country to New York. I don't know. Like we say like, oh, going across the ditch from New Zealand to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a similar phrase in the US. I think just cross country. Cross yeah. country uh, to New York and then for two weeks or so driving north, you know, ticky touring, as we say, which basically means like road tripping aimlessly around uh, and ending up eventually in Toronto. So I'm very excited. It should be very fun. It's been a while since I took like more than a week, I think, off for vacation. So yeah, it should be super nice. And I'm really looking forward to like the nature and upstate New York. It's really beautiful. So yes, very excited. That's going to be, I'm looking forward to the Instagrams already. Oh yes, the Instagrams. I'm very uh, slow on Instagram. I have to say Instagram stories, I'm pretty okay at, but like uploading to my feed, I don't know, ever since stories, I just care so much less about my feed and am really lazy and uploading to it. I don't know if anyone else has this problem or if it's just me. I have this, um, it's like an Instagram planning app that I use because I like my photos to be arranged a certain way. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of organizing my photos that I want to post to my feed in that app. So much so that I then forget to actually post them <laughs> to my Instagram feed. It's like, I don't really care if people see them or not. I just like the idea of taking the photo and editing it and arranging it. Yeah. Yeah. But I should post them because I put all that work in, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wish there was... Is there like a scheduler? I don't know. I just forget to post. Too much effort. There is, but I, yeah, I just... I just Yeah, too much effort to even bother setting that up for me. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's... The Instagram aside, I, mean, I feel like we could talk about that for a while. Uh, let's jump into the topic. So I've kind of called this becoming a hybrid. And I'm just super curious, Charlie, to hear your story Maybe do you want to start by telling us a little bit, I don't know, where you are now and how you maybe got there? Like, what are your current responsibilities in your role and what are the things you kind of had to do or learn to get to that place? Yeah, so my role and what I identify as mainly still is I'm a designer. I'm a marketing designer, which means mostly that I design websites on the marketing team at tech companies. Uh, for the past few years anyway, that's been what I've done. Lately, though, I have also added development to my skill set, and my role has meant both designing and building the websites that that I design. Previously, I have worked alongside a developer. There's been either one front-end dev, uh, like, on the marketing team, you know, to whose job is to build the designs that I make, or there's been a team of front-end developers that I've worked with, and, you know, it'd be a different one for each project. So this has been new for me to be in charge of not only designing, but also implementing my design. Um, and I've talked before about how I knew it was something that I would have to take on when I started this this role, because it's a very small company. We're only 36 people, I think. And so people have to wear a bunch of different hats in, in a company that small, right? When, when you're a bigger company like the Ubers of the world, people can really specialize and zoom in so much so that like you're a designer for a, a, a certain like customer base, right? You're, the, you're a designer for drivers, really, right? What you work on? Yeah. So I'm much more of a hybrid in the sense of 
not only my skill set, but also like the projects that I work on too, because we're such a small team. So yeah, I've learned to code and now I am the one to implement all of the things that I build. For the moment, I will say as a caveat, because we are actually looking to hire a front end developer. So if, if you're a front end dev listening and you're interested in working with me, then um, uh, reach out to me on Twitter. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so like, was this a conscious decision for you in terms of your career growth and what you wanted to become? Like, was this conscious to you of like, okay, this is the next step I want to take in my career. I want to learn this particular skill or did it kind of happen to you when you sort of got this role and, and learned that that was something that you'd have to undertake? Hmm. I would say probably more like the latter. It was a challenge I was excited about because I had been like, I'd coded my own website previously, like struggled my way through it, basically doing a lot of Googling and, you know, a lot of trial and error. So I was already interested in the coding side of things and I knew I'd be able to handle it, but I, and it was more that I was interested in the role at ConvertKit than it was I was interested in becoming a hybrid designer. And so took this role because of that. Does that make sense? So yeah, the role came first and then I was like, cool, if this is what I need to do to work at this great company and, you know, be what they need, then I'm going to do it. And what about learning like I think that's what a lot of people struggle with at least me if I have an extra skill or something that I want to pick up that I know or I'm confident will be complementary to my role I often struggle finding the time to actually learn that skill so how did, how did you do that because I I assume you had to learn a bit right you you didn't know everything when coming into the role so how did you make time for learning when you were already you know the busy bee that we know you all are I think that the main thing, honestly, was that the company saw the value in me learning to code and that meant that I could prioritize it just as I would any other task on my to-do list. Like I couldn't say, oh no, sorry, I didn't design like those ad banners because I was just too busy doing everything else. That wouldn't fly, you know? So it was the same with, with learning. I was able to make it a part of my my task. And uh, what the the basic rule at our company is that for every hour you spend learning on the job, you're kind of expected to be doing an hour in your own time as well. If it's a skill that like will help your work, but also just is going to help you as a person in general. So it's kind of like 50% of the time you can do it at work for sure and count it as your work hours. Uh, but learning to code, yeah, I was doing more than 50%, I would say, on the job. And what's interesting is because I found it really easy in a way to fit in back then because it was a task that I had, right? I had to learn to be able to implement sites myself. And so that was the thing that I had to work, had to work on and get that learning in so that I could fulfill that task. Now though, that I have the basics and more than the basics, I would say down and I can implement everything that I design. I, there's still more things I want to learn to improve my coding and to improve my designs. And it's much harder to fit those in because they feel like extras. They feel like you know, like an added bonus, like they're not the bare essentials versus learning how to use Git, learning how to you know do PHP things and work with custom fields and WordPress. Those were essentials in order to get the job done. And so it was much more easy to find time for them because of that. So yeah, I think that the problem that I'm having now, and it sounds like you're having now too, is that when it's not technically an essential thing to learn, 
Like it's not stopping you from doing your job. The fact that you don't know this thing, it's like a thing you want to add to your skill set. It is just so much harder to prioritize it and find the time. But yeah, having the backing from your company really helps. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you have the basics down and now you want to learn the nice to haves kind of thing, right? Or push yourself to the next level. Yes, exactly that. I, I do find that hard. One of my workmates actually on my team is learning React and it's it's quite admirable actually. Like every morning he spends the first hour doing that and he's like totally heads down. He has his headphones on, like he's totally zoomed in and focused on that task for a full hour and that's been pretty admirable to see him do that like every day over the last probably at least month and it's nice too like he has it in his calendar like I you know when I check his calendar for something if I need to schedule a meeting with him I've seen he has like every morning an hour blocked in like learning react and that's really cool like I'm also I think that kind of person where for me it would work best if I block the time aside and really uh purposeful or have this strong intent like okay I've got an hour here that I'm dedicating to learn this thing or do this task or whatever I think that would work for me I I know not everyone probably works that way but yeah I've been thinking about doing that not with react Uh, I don't think I'm there yet but with you know some kind of skill if I wanted to learn something or pick something up I think dedicating like a block of time and you know being really dedicated to it would probably work for me I think Yeah, I think I needed to do that too, because the thing that I want to learn next is JavaScript animation and interactions to being be able to add that layer to my designs. Cool. And yeah, because the designs work perfectly well and function perfectly fine without that, it's been hard to fit that in. So I think that I should like scheduling is is the only way really I'm going to be able to do that. That's that's good. Good point. Yeah. So speaking of that, like what's made you decide that learning animation is like the next thing you want to learn I guess my question is like how do you know what skills are worth investing time into learning like I don't know I have all these things I want to learn and I don't know how to decide which one is the best to invest my time into learning yeah that's a good point so I started with because I see that we actually had a, a twitter question from someone where was it um Melissa I think asked which code languages I started with and what I use the most now. I started with the basics of HTML and CSS and how those two work together because that's like the fundamentals of the web. And people can argue with me that those are not languages, whatever. It's still writing code. (laughs) Really? There's an argument they're not languages? Oh, yes, because I made a YouTube video about coding, you see, Fem. And so a a lot of coding people came to tell me that that's not real coding or whatever. What? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. I can promise you it is. So alongside the HTML and CSS, I was learning like how to use Git and GitHub as well, which is a fundamental part of coding for on a, in a professional like setting, right? Is having version control and yeah, using branches and that sort of thing. So I would highly recommend looking into that if you're wanting to get into coding. I also then had to learn PHP because WordPress is run on PHP and things that I wanted to do, I needed to be able to understand PHP. So I didn't like... I don't know, do a full on PHP course or anything. It's more been learning as I go and figuring out what I need to solve a problem. That's basically been my approach and how I've decided what to learn has been, I need to do this. Okay. This is the like code that I'd need to use to do it. So let's go and learn that rather than 
doing a general course and then applying it later. And I find it personally really a lot better to learn that way too. Uh, but to answer your question, actually, of how, do, how am I figuring out like what I want to focus on and what I want to learn now has been a lot of seeing what I enjoy and seeing where I think I could add value. So I have discovered that I hate the type of coding that is fixing bugs and like, why is this PHP <laughs> not working? That, oh my gosh, I just don't find that fun at all. And I think it's because it's nothing to do with the design. It's nothing to do with the visuals. It's the back end like functionality of the thing. So yeah, that, that's just not a part of, of coding that I enjoy. And I'm really looking forward to us bringing on a front end developer for that reason so that that can be taken off my plate. Like I would love to have our site speed looked at and, you know, beginning down in the details on, on that. But, oh, I just when I think about doing that myself, it just doesn't excite me. The actual process of learning how to do that and, and implement. I just I mean, I'm a designer, right? <laughs> Even though I now am a hybrid, I'm still a hybrid designer being the keyword. So the visual side of things is is what excites me the most. So I want to learn JavaScript animation and interaction because I think it will improve my designs. I think that doing little animated touches, I think the Stripe website is a really good example of this. They have amazing little animated icons as you scroll down. It's those sort of things that can keep you scrolling. It can make the whole design feel higher quality. It can draw your eye to like a certain call to action if there's a nice interaction with it, or it can just make the user, I don't know, have a much better feeling about interacting with your site when things are cute and playful or whatever mood that you want to communicate with it. And so that's why I want to focus on learning that next, because I think it will help me as a designer rather than, you know, more than the back end stuff will. I mean, Obviously, it's important for your design to function, <laughs> obviously, but I don't think that I have to be the one doing that. Like, that's not where my how my mind works and how my skills will best be used. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one of the, I guess, benefits of being in your position where you're in a smaller company and you take on multiple roles and things like that is that there is or at least I'm assuming like there is a lot of opportunity to, you know, fill these areas and learn these things because there's no one else doing it, right? Like for me, it's really easy if I want something or whatever, there is likely to be a person in the company dedicated to doing that full time that I can just go to and they can give me what I need, right? So there's not as much of this like, well, if that's what you want, you're going to have to figure it out by yourself kind of yeah. thing. So that's probably another reason why it's been harder for you to make the time to learn, right? Because you know it's really easy for someone else to just do it. <laughs> exactly. Like, why waste my time and company time, you know, when there's someone who can just do this in five minutes or whatever? Uh, and that's looking at it very broadly, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to think of what kind of skills I want to add to my designer toolkit, so to speak. And I've been thinking about getting a bit more into learning about user research and user testing. Another one I've been thinking about is UX writing. Like how can I learn more about how to write, you know, good UX copy? I think that will be really good to have in my toolkit. And I haven't quite figured out a way yet. Again, like with both of these, we have a dedicated user researcher and a dedicated UX writer. So it's not like there's this open need this gaping hole that someone needs to fill. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, well, how can I, you know, maybe invest some time learning in these things? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, I'm not sure yet 
but for now I'm trying to be involved as much as possible in either research projects or like the the copywriting part of the project so I can learn from those people a bit more I love that you brought this up because yeah we have called this episode becoming a hybrid designer and that generally means design and dev but it doesn't have to right you can choose another skill to focus on and I think for you Finn what will help is remembering that you're probably not going to be in this role at Uber forever you know right there will be there will be a time when I don't know you want to move countries or whatever it's time to move on and so maybe you should be using this time at Uber to be learning from these people who like you said do specialize in this so that perhaps you won't be having as much need to do this right now in your role, but for sure in the future you will. Yeah. So maybe you'll be like that fully fledged hybrid in a few years time or something, but you're doing the learning now. Yeah, I think so. And I think just in general, even like if you're working with people from different disciplines, you know, like maybe you're working with the data scientists or an engineer or whatever, like even if you don't want to necessarily learn about engineering or learn how to code, I still think it's valuable to at least have some interest, right? Like try and, I mean, I think it's important. What I'm trying to say is to just learn from your colleagues, you know, like have some interest in what they're doing and how things work so that you can have this general idea of how everyone kind of works together and how things get moving. So I don't know, in general, I always try and have my eyes and ears open, I guess, especially when I'm working with people from other disciplines to kind of understand how they work. And something we've been doing, actually, um, we have this uh, regular design share meeting in our team every week where like, it's basically a show and tell, like anyone can kind of show or tell something and what we've been doing is inviting someone from other disciplines in the tech org so like inviting a data scientist or inviting a back-end engineer to come in for half an hour and just tell us about their job basically like so what does a data scientist do or like so how are the back-end systems set up and they just spend half an hour like telling us all about it drawing diagrams on the whiteboard and whatever and even though like I'm not interested in becoming a back-end engineer it's still super useful to hear and learn from these people about what their role is their responsibility in the company and yeah, it just helps, gives you, I think, a bit of extra context in like where you, your puzzle piece fits in the giant puzzle of tech, basically. Yeah, and empathy as well for your colleagues and, and what they work on too, I think. Yeah. That's one of been, been one of the things that I've kind of not struggled with in a way, but has kind of been like something for me to wrap my mind around with becoming like a hybrid designer developer has been, I am have always been of the opinion that jack of all trades means being a master of none, right? Right. I, I think that you should build a T focus of skills where you dive really deep on one thing and like the other things are kind of a bit more shallow. So learning to code and becoming a developer as well as a designer has kind of gone against that thinking a little bit. But the way I see it is that having this understanding of code and getting the understanding of it by actually doing the thing Uh, has helped me as a designer and it's been helping to improve my web design skills because I have a better understanding of what's possible on the web and how things function so that when I'm designing I can be thinking about all of that. So that's the the reason why saying hybrid designer is important for me. I'm not going to go and take on a freelance project where I'm just developing a website. Right. If I'm not doing the design side of the thing that I'm building 
I have no interest in building it, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I don't want to use my skills for just development. Whenever I'm using my dev skills, I want it to be because I'm implementing something that I've designed and it's part of the design process because these days, my I think my design process has changed since learning to code, to be honest, because there's not that handoff. We've, we've done an episode about design handoff where I talked about this, I think, but like I'd just be handing off to myself. So sometimes there's things that I'm like, eh, I'll finalize that in code <laughs> and I'll like leave it kind of a bit not so finished in the mock-up because I know I'm going to get to it once I've already got all the classes and things in the code and I'll, you know, try things out there to decide which color is going to work best or whatever. So yeah, there's been little changes to my design process because of this too. Are you ever worried or concerned? Like, I, I feel like people tend to have this worry that, okay, well, if let's say I become a hybrid designer, my passion really is in design. Do you have this worry that like, dev might take over like how do you balance design and development are you ever struggling to prioritize between the two or worried that like oh I don't know like oh 70% of my time these days is spent on development but that's not really what I want to be doing has that been a concern for you or how do you think about that in terms of balancing the two skills yeah I think it has to be honest because design is what I need to fulfill me so if I'm having a time where I'm mostly just focused on building something, especially if it's tricky and especially if it's like getting the backend functionality working, like I was talking about, that can get really frustrating for me. And I'm just like, oh, I just need to design something, anything. Give me a friggin' ad. I don't care. I just want to be like moving pixels around. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Ads are the worst thing to design, by the way. That's why I use that as an example. <laughs> so yeah, for sure, that's been a concern. And that's why I have been really clear with you know, my managers that m the focus I want to have is not on the back end of things. The other designer at, at my work, Dylan, our product designer and our, our product manager as well, he has a great skill set for not only the front end dev, like everything, but also, you know, he codes in, in Rails and, you know, is good at the back end as well. And I'm like, okay, I, I just want to make it clear that I'm not looking to follow in Dylan's footsteps and have exactly his skill set. I think that if I focus more on this thing, it'll actually make us more well-rounded as a company because I'm going to have, you know, these skills instead. And like I was saying before, the animation interaction side feels more like visual design to me and feels more like it's aiding the visual design. So yeah, that I'm more interested in doing it and wouldn't mind spending more time coding in that way. But yeah, that has been a problem. And I have worried at times that I'm, not designing enough, especially in moments when, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff to build. But I think it's just comes with the job, you know, it comes with its effect of, of life of being a hybrid designer. And if I'm not getting enough design fulfillment at work, then I need to make sure I'm designing something on the side just so I'm keeping those skills up and I'm staying fulfilled creatively. Makes sense. Okay, we have a couple of questions from Twitter. I'm going to sort of quickfire ask you. Go for it. Uh, the first one from Laura. How long after you started learning did you feel confident to work autonomously? Ooh, it definitely took a few months. Like I would say maybe six months from when I started 
coding to when I wasn't feeling like I had to check absolutely everything with Dylan <laughs> all of the time. Like, oh my gosh, he, I don't think he listens to this podcast, but he was so patient with me. It was amazing to have him as like a support when, when learning. Cause yeah, he would just be there to answer any question I had and like, you know, never made me feel stupid for not knowing something. It was really great. But yeah, I did lean on him a lot at the start because I just wasn't confident. I was like, I don't want to screw something up. I don't want to code this wrong. Like, are you just being nice to me when you say it's working? Like, is there a better way I could actually be doing it? And I would, yeah, push him to give me that feedback. But yeah, I would say that about six months in, I felt confident to be coding and pushing something myself without having to double check everything. Yeah. Um, that might seem like a too long a time. I don't know, but yeah, I think that's about right. It seems like a decent amount of time, right? Like, yeah, it sounds like by the end of the six months, like you were confident, you could work autonomously. So I, it doesn't surprise me that it took you that long. Yeah, cool. Uh, second question from Laura. How many hours per week could or maybe did you spend on learning these new skills? Hmm. I think it might have been about 10 hours. Oh, I don't know. That's hard to because learning um, can mean different things, right? For It could mean taking the lessons on Treehouse, which is the platform that I used to like take code courses. But I was learning by doing, really. So for weeks on end, I would be learning constantly because it would be my job to be building these pages. And I was very, very slow at first. And I was told by a manager, which really helped to hear that it doesn't matter. Go slow now because you going slow now and doing the learning is actually going to help us go faster as a company later on. So this is a conscious choice we are making to like, you know, you can have this time and invest in it. And so now I'm coding things that would take me like, you know, two weeks when I was getting started takes like a day or two now. So that's nice. Well, that's good improvement. Yeah. Great improvement. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it's hard for me to estimate how many hours I would spend learning because I was learning while actually completing the work. Makes sense. Okay, question from Melissa. Uh, she would like to hear from you a list of valuable, high-quality resources to use when teaching yourself how to code. Got any resources to list? Yes. Well, I just mentioned one before, Treehouse, but I will say it again because it bears repeating. Treehouse is a really great system for learning to code, I think. There'll be a link in our show notes. For sure. You can choose courses based on the language or whatever you want to learn. They also have courses on there about Git and about using, you know, those sorts of version control development tools, that's the word for it, as well as the code itself. And that's mainly what I used Treehouse for really was the development tools because that was the part that I felt the least sure on. Another one that I didn't take myself but I've heard really good things about is Super High. And I think uh, Owen has used that. That's where I first heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link to that as well because I think they have a really good reputation too. Okay, Melissa also asks which coding languages you started with and which ones you use most now. So, like I said before, HTML and CSS, you can call them coding <laughs> languages or not, but that's that's what I started with, and PHP, and that's still what I use now. I'm the the thing is that I'm learning to code and like did learn to code for this job specifically. So I'm not learning React because we don't use React on our marketing website. I'm not learning, I don't know, these other languages because like Python or whatever, we don't use that on our marketing website. So I'm not learning that. Basically, I'm learning by necessity and I'm learning what will be useful for me to complete my job. Um, and at the moment, that's what's useful. So that's that's what I focused on learning. 
Cool. The last question from Stephanie is how does someone become a hybrid designer? And I think this whole episode kind of answers that question. I think so too. (laughs) So Stephanie, hopefully we answered it. (laughs) Yeah. In general, if you want like a summary, and I guess this would be a good thing to end on, I think that you have to have the desire firstly to become one and you have to have the desire to be adding that skill into your toolbox because it's really hard to fit in the learning that you'll need to do if you don't have the passion and the need to actually learn it like we talked about. Um, Getting support from your workplace and helping them to understand why it will be useful for you to be have these, these hybrid skills will allow you more time to learn so that'll be a really useful thing to get onto. And yeah, I think you just do the learning. I think you have one skill and you do the learning to add another skill to it. At a basic level, that's how you become a hybrid. Yeah. Oh, so much good, valuable insights in this episode. Charlie, thank you so much for sharing. Super interesting. I now feel inspired to, you know, learn some side skills for my designer toolkit. So watch this space. Yeah, girl, do it. Before we end this episode, I want to share a podcast review that we got on iTunes, if that's all right with you, Charlie. That is more than all right with me, fam. <laughs> so this is from Eli82388. And catchy name. It's so catchy. <laughs> and they've said, I've only listened to four episodes so far, but I'm already hooked. Oh, thank you. I have a few design podcasts that I listen to, but this show by Charlie and Femke are thus far the most refreshing, down to earth and most fun to listen to. There's no ego at all that's prevalent amongst designers. They're just here to provide value without showing off their design chops. I love it. I'm even considering joining the paid community already. Keep it up, guys. Thank you so much. I love that. Eli, after only four episodes, is considering joining. That's that's really cool. That makes me feel really happy. And also the, the no ego comment. We never want that to be what the show is about. And that's why it kind of feels weird for me to have an episode where I'm like doing most of the talking. Like I'm looking <laughs> at my waveforms on screen right now and it's mostly green for me, you know, with a few blank spaces where Femme's been talking in between. <laughs> but yeah, I hope that you all listening know that there's no ego about this. We just want to share. We just want to share where we're coming from and what we've been learning along the way and keep doing that. Totally. And Eli, to join the community and also for those listening, go to designlife.fm slash community and there you can sign up $9 a month and you'll have access to our community, which is full of lots of inspiring, interesting and cool creative people all working on different side projects. It's really awesome. Yes. And we like to provide different resources and things in there as well. So go ahead and join. We'd love to have you. Where can people go, fam, to find more episodes of the podcast that they can listen to for completely free, though? You can go to designlife.fm. All the episodes are there. You can also sign up to our newsletter there, actually. I don't think we talk about this much, but every Monday we send out a newsletter with a link to the latest episode so that you don't miss it. Yes. So if you're the type of person who likes email notifications, then that is the place for you. Totally. All right. Good chat, fam. Thanks for all your great questions. Thank you so much for sharing, Charlie. It was super interesting. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.